is our last installment of uh, the Hope series. And this one is, how can I keep hoping as a question, the Scriptures? Uh, as Dan said, so far we learned about... Uh, <clears throat> let me collect myself here. <laughs> yeah, so far we've learned about the Gospel, uh, the grace God has given us, and, and our rebirth. Uh, we were sinners. We were operating on our own power. Uh, but then we heard this gospel message, and God spoke to us. The story of God sacrificing his son, uh, Jesus coming back to life. We were all moved. Uh, we were all reborn. We were all given a new life. But for a lot of us, sometimes something happened. Uh, we began to get doubt in our head. We questioned uh, our decision that we made. And pretty much what it was is uh, the enemy was attacking us. The enemy was rearing his ugly head. Uh, got a little short film clip here uh, with Mel Gibson in it, and he's going to give us a little insight about our enemy. Uh, the men portrayed in the film used bombs and guns and etc. And what do we fight with? What were we taught with in those early days of being a Christian? Scripture and prayer. Uh, if you could bring up Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that when you take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We read scripture and it teaches us how to fight and who the enemy is. After all, what did Jesus do when he was in the desert with Satan? If you could bring up Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and you will lift, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and the angels came to attend him. He fought with Scripture. We all need to be on guard and be ready for battle. When we were born again, we were born to battle. Satan knows he just lost another one. We need to keep fighting. For our battle, 
Our battle for assurance and hope to the end is in Romans. If you could bring up eight. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in our Christ Jesus Lord. We have our battle for perseverance, Mark 13, 13. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We have our battle for hope in the gospel, Colossians 1.23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven for which I, Paul, have become a servant. Battles fought and won with the word of God. Could you bring up 1 Corinthians 16? Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And what was the battle against? Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. After all, if God is for us, who can be against us? And there is hope in the scriptures. This week, our focus scripture is Romans 15.4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. In the scripture, there's three truths. All scriptures for instruction. All scriptures are intended to, by God to give steadfastness and encouragement. And all scriptures are to sustain hope. Our first point here is that all scriptures for instruction. If you could bring up 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. And if you could bring up Job. Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. The Bible can teach us a great deal, but one thing about teaching is that we have to be willing to learn. And we have to, be, and we have to want to learn. We don't need to be Bible scholars. We just need to open up the book and listen to what God is teaching us and apply it to our lives. We need a systematic diet of instructions, not just a few hurried crumbs. Take some time this week, start reading, and ask God for some revelation. And what does 1 John 5 tell us? This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have what we have asked of him. If we ask God for instruction, if we ask God for guidance, he will give it to us. Brother Lawrence, in practicing, a presence God, practicing the presence of God, was quoted as saying, Let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. The more we know him, the more we will desire him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, 
the more we will truly love Him. We will learn to love Him equally in times of distress or in times of great joy. The more we read the Bible, the more we will know Him better and develop a relationship. He is our Father in heaven, and shouldn't we get to know Him better? The more we know Him, the more we will love Him. After all, there is hope in the Scriptures. Our second point here is that all Scripture gives us steadfastness and encouragement. When the instructions of the Scripture are understood, they produce steadfastness and encouragement. They keep us on the path of obedience and encourage us to do so. Through hard times and not-so-hard times, those three words, steadfastness, encouragement, and endurance. You know, that works on both sides of the pulpit here. When I was doing some research for this message, I knew this story about a missionary couple named Jimmy and Sophie Graham uh, would fit in perfectly. Uh, the book I referenced is uh, called Boxers to Bandits. But I also knew of another book about a man's life that I knew would fit in. I just didn't know how intertwined they were until I started reading these things again. And only God could have connected those dots. Uh, so with that, let's take a little trip back in time. Uh, we're going to China at the turn of the previous century. It's 1889, and there's a newlywed couple named Jimmy and Sophie Graham. Uh, he was just ordained in July, and of course, being newlyweds, they're just starting their married lives together. And they're heading to China to be missionaries because this is where they were called by God, a place where they would spend about the next 50 years of their lives. And they're going to part of the country where it was estimated 100 believers in 30 million. They had their work cut out for them because they're going to a place that was pretty much untouched by the gospel. I'm going to read a little piece that was written by Ruth Graham about Jimmy Graham. Uncle Jimmy opened our station in China together with Pearl Buck's father, Absalom Strydendecker. I remember Aunt Sophie telling me once that when Uncle Jimmy returned from the countryside where he had been preaching the gospel, there was not one place on his body where she couldn't lay his hand where he wasn't black and blue with bruises and had been stoned. He went for years without a conversion, and I remember asking him if he ever got discouraged. He shook his head emphatically and said, No, the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver us a victory. Think about that. Yes, he did go for many years without a conversion. Jimmy clung to the fact that the battle was the Lord's and he will deliver the victory. I can only guess he was referring to 1 Samuel in 1747 where David was about to slay Goliath. And this reads, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give us into your hands. So during their time as missionaries, Jimmy was stoned and beaten many times. Uh, one time they were accused of kidnapping a child. <clears throat> and remember, all this for the gospel. The question is, did they waste their time? Did they waste their whole lives preaching this gospel message that wasn't to be heard? Well, it wasn't so much what happened while they were in China, it's what happened afterwards, because you see, for about 40 years, China was closed to all missionaries. And in that time, God went to work. 50 million people were saved from the inside by God working, all from seeds planted 
by Jimmy Graham. Now let's move ahead a couple of years. It's now September 1949, Los Angeles, California. There's a struggling marriage, a couple on the brink of disaster. She had just come back from Florida. She was going to stay long enough to get a divorce, to end the hell she was living in. You see, the war had been over for about five years now, and he had been a POW since 19, from 1943 till the end of the war, but the war still raged in his head. Thoughts of uh, murder, he was drinking. It was bad, and nightmares, of course. But there's always hope. Some neighbors talked her into going to see this new evangelist named Billy Graham. So she went. That night there was a spiritual awakening. The thoughts of divorce were gone. She wanted to reconcile things with her husband. So she tried to get him to go to one of these meetings. He refused. He thought he would just wait it out till the meetings ended. Well, God had other plans because... A three-week stint turned in, got extended for five more weeks, so Billy Graham was there for five more weeks. He decided to go reluctantly, of course. I'm going to do some more reading, because I, I couldn't write her any better than this. Billy Graham was wearing out. For many hours a day, seven days a week, he preached to vast throngs. Each sermon was a workout, delivered in a booming voice, punctuated with broad gestures of the arms, hands, and body. He got up as early as five, and he stayed into the tent late at night, counseling troubled souls. Graham's weight was dropping, and dark semicircle shadows were under his eyes. At times he felt as if he stopped moving, his legs would buckle. So he took to pacing the pulpit to keep himself from keeling over. Once someone brought a baby to him, and he asked, whose girl is this? It was his own daughter. He didn't recognize her anymore because he had been away for so long. He longed for the campaign to end, but the success of it made him sure that the providence had other wishes. When our couple entered the tent, he refused to go further than the back rows. He sat down sullen, wait up the sermon and go home and be done with it. When Graham appeared to him, he was surprised. He'd expected the sort of frothy, holy rolling charlatan that he'd seen preaching near Torrance when he was a boy. What he saw instead was a brisk, neatly groomed man two years younger than himself. Though he was nursing a sore throat and asked for the amplifier to be turned up, he showed no other signs of fatigue. Amazing. See, Billy Graham knew there was hope in the scriptures, and it kept him going. So when the tent meeting got extended... And he ran out of sermon material. So he contacted an old friend named Jimmy Graham, our missionary from China. So at that time when our young couple was sitting in the audience, it was Jimmy Graham's message that was heard. And that night, there was another spiritual awakening. Our, our fellow was cleansed. He was reborn. The drinking was gone. There was no more nightmares. In fact, he went home and he got out his Bible and he started reading Scripture. We bring up 2 Corinthians. So from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, create, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 
he was a new creation. And the story I'm speaking of is that of Louis Zempier, and the story is unbroken. I'd recommend the book over the movie. The book tells a lot more of what they didn't talk about in the movie. There is hope in the scriptures, and the battle is the Lord's. Our third point is that all scripture's goal is to sustain our hope. Has anybody ever heard of Sir Ernest Shackleton? Arctic explorer? Excuse me, Antarctic explorer. He lived from 1874 to 1922. On one of his trips, he took this ship called the Endurance into the Antarctica in August of 1914. Things were going well for a bit. By November of 1915, the ship was completely stuck. By November, the ship was destroyed and crushed by the ice. He set off with, there was 27 men on the ship. He left 25 behind and set off with two other ones to go get help. In August of 1916, think about the time span here. He returned and rescued all of the men. They were all alive yet. Truly an amazing feat, seeing how they didn't have all the high-tech equipment we have now. I'd like to read some of his thoughts and the thoughts of his companions that were with him. When I look back on those days, I have no doubt that Providence guided us, not only across the snowfields, but across the storm-strewn sea that separated Elephant Island from our landing place on South Georgia. I know that during the long, racking march of 36 hours over unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me often there were four, not three. I said nothing to my companions on the point, but afterwards, Worsley said to me, Boss, I had a curious feeling on that march that there was another person with us. Crean confessed the same idea. One feels the dearth of human words, the roughness of mortal speech in trying to describe things intangible, but a record of our journey would be incomplete without a reference to the subject very near and dear to our hearts. And the scripture that Mr. Shackleton carried with him out of the whole Bible, because he took this one scripture with him and he left the Bible behind, is from Job. From whose womb does the ice come? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone and when the surface of the deep is frozen? There is hope in the scriptures and they can sustain us. You know, we had this amazing book called the Bible. It's alive. It's also the definitive story of mankind and the prophecy of our future. We know how it began. We know how it all ends. We know what happens in between. It weaves a tale of Jesus and the Savior coming to, coming to rescue us. It gives God perspective on pretty much everything. Could you bring up 2 Corinthians? It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory 
and far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Could you bring up John 14? This is Thomas questioning. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father. From now on, you don't know him and have seen him. You know, being a Christian is kind of like climbing Mount Everest. I don't know if any of you done any research on it, but you kind of, you kind of hang out in the lower altitudes and you, you go up and down the mountain a couple of times and you rest at the lower altitudes as your body acclimates. And when the big day comes when it's time to make the ascent for the summit. So you climb and you climb, but you hit 26,000 feet. So from 26,000 feet on up, your body can't acclimate anymore. Every day you climb, every moment you climb, you're dying. Your body is literally dying because there's not enough oxygen to sustain you. All so you could reach the summit, so you could see something that nobody else has. You see, being a Christian, it's the same thing. Every day we're asked to die and die inside of us so that someday we can get to heaven and see that glory of God when we reach that summit. I'd like to finish, I'd like to finish off with a little thought written by somebody that it was written quite some time ago. <clears throat> All of humanity's sin was laid on Christ in those last few hours. The final result of sin is hell, where no one can see God. And the most horrible experience for, of all for Christ was, hiding, was the hiding of his face from his Father as he took on our sin. Jesus had taken all that went with him quietly before. But when this awful rest of sin visited upon him, it wrenched from him the cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So while we think of the human side of redemption, the eternal happiness, the glory and sinlessness that is to be ours, when we see God face to face, we must not fail for a moment to place first that which made it all possible, the unthinkable love, pure and simple, because it was not for himself, but for those who spent a lifetime of sinning against him. Isn't it incomprehensible, oh, for such love? Let rocks and hills in their lasting silence break. May the slight comprehension that we can have of it lead us to dedicate our lives more fully to him and consider that which we have is his, not only because he gave it to us, but because of this unspeakable love. And that's the gospel. Thank you for your time. Aren't you glad that you're under the umbrella of the authority of the word of God today? Amen. The enemy would want you to place yourself under his authority. The only tool that he has against you is deceit and falsehood. When we begin to believe our circumstance or when we be begin to believe what other people say against us and when we believe um, the, the doubts and the fears and the anxiety and the hopelessness, the enemy takes a foothold. Amen. He gets a foothold in our hearts and in our lives. 
This is the authority over your life today. Amen. We walk in, 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 in its authority. Jesus said that all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. I want you to leave this uh, place today realizing that it's not your circumstance or your situation that makes you today. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that's formed in you that will prosper you, that will provide for you, that will give you everything that you need. Do you understand that we give the enemy the authority when we doubt his word and when we live our lives according to our feel-so and not God's say-so? Amen? Do you have a promise today when you're fearful? Do you have a promise today from the, from the word of God that you stand upon when you're fearful? Fear not, for I am with you. Amen. How about when you're anxious? When that, uh, that anxiety eats you like a, like a piranha and keeps gnawing at you. What, what, what promise do you have from the word of God that you stand on today? Say that again, Patty. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but with all things, give thanks and praise. Make your requests and be known unto the Lord, and the God of heaven shall give you peace beyond your understanding. Cast all your care on the Lord, for he cares for you. Be anxious about nothing. Amen. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. Amen. This is Bill Burke over here, people. He's got one. Jesus, when he was done, sat down and said, it is finished. Yeah. It is finished. Amen. Amen. How about when you got some finances that you don't know what you're going to do? You look at your bank account and you look at the bills and you say, yeah. You got a promise from God? From God's word. Amen. Okay, Patty, say that again. He shall supply all your needs according to his righteousness in Christ Jesus. Amen. His riches in Christ Jesus. Monica. He's a good God. <laughs> yeah. He's a good God. Amen. He is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Richard is in the house. What do you got, Richard? The Bible says, seek you for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I wrote down that thing shall be added unto you. Seek first his righteousness and his kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? Hey, do you have a struggle or a problem that you won't get through today? No. Jesus blazed a trail for you, and he's asking you to come. Trust him. And give him your life today. And he'll take you to places and Become the God in your life that will blow your mind. Amen? What about your family members that don't know Christ? You praying for them that they'll come to know Christ? That they'll have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What's a promise that you got that you hold on to when it comes to the salvation of souls for your family? That your generations will be saved from generation to generations, won't you? Amen.
Amen. We're going to close off uh, today's service with prayer. Who needs prayer today? We got Marty in the back. We got Trish in the back. We got Patty. Anybody on this side or is this the prayerless side over here? No, just kidding. Anybody else need prayer? Rob? Nikki? Okay. Monica needs some prayer. Friends, I'm going to ask you that you just get up, make your way over to these individuals. We're going to have a time of prayer that when we leave this place, all of us will feel the hope that God gives us. The God of the scriptures become alive to us and in us and through us as we minister to one another by the grace of the Lord today. Amen. Let's make our way over to Marty. Okay. All right. Marty's right there. He's got gray hair like me. Okay. Amen. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Anybody else need prayer today? Maybe you have an unspoken need that you really don't want to say to anybody today, but you got something on your heart. Lift your hands to the Lord today. He sees, he sees your hand. Amen. He sees your request. He wants to meet you today. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the message today that was spoken to our hearts. That we'll trust your word. We'll trust your grace. We'll trust your provision. We'll trust your working in every situation and circumstance, oh God. We know that all things work together for good to those that are called according to your purpose and that love you, God. So we lift up our cares and we lift up our lives. We lift up our family. We lift up our finances. We lift up our hurts and pains and brokenness of the past, oh God. And we give them to you as we trade them for your joy, for your life, for your wonder, for the amazement of who you are today. We give you all praise and all glory, oh God, as you minister and as you move upon our hearts and upon our lives. We pray these things in the matchless, wonderful name of Jesus, our mighty God and our Savior. Amen and amen. Amen.